rocking. Glad to be back. Bill Michael Show, we continue to roll on. Mike Clemens coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes from now. Stay tuned. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, feel free to go ahead and do so. Packers taking on the 49ers coming up on Saturday night, Lambeau Field. Some breaking news in the uh, world of the 49ers. Uh, 49ers linebacker Fred Warner sounds confident he's going to be able to play this coming Sunday. In Green Bay, he tweeted out, sorry for the scare yesterday, everyone. I appreciate everyone showing love and support for me and the fellas. We'll be good to go. Huge win on to the next. So it sounds like he'll be good to go. We shall see. He tweeted that out about 25 minutes ago. We'll see if it uh, comes to fruition. Sometimes, you know what? Guys will say things and say, hey, I'm good to go. God knows we've been kind of following Zedaria Smith for a while. Good to be back with my guys. And we're all like, all right, he's going to be on the practice field. No, we didn't see him for another month and a half. So we'll see. But uh, Fred Warner saying he's going to be good to go. Going to be good to go. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Glad to have you. Um, good to have the Rick Meister back over on our uh, Twitter feed, by the way. Good stuff there. John says, good to have you back in Milwaukee. Uh, what are the Packers' chances of pulling off a blowout on Saturday night so we can all rest easy? Uh, John, first of all, I don't know why you want to rest easy. I would party all night. And secondly, they have not really blown out teams all season long. That's not their M.O. Their M.O. is get up by a couple of scores and then play cushion football. It gets close. You start to bite your nails. You hope. You hope for kind of. You know the end to come quicker. That type of thing, and that's the way they win games. They win. Don't get me wrong. They walk away with victories, but we've seen this before. You know they get up on the Bears, and the Bears come back. They 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 had a hard fought game with the Ravens. Uh, obviously, they get up on the Browns, and then the Browns come storming back. You know, they run the football. Um, really, the only team they really put away recently was the Vikings. And they just drilled them into submission. Otherwise, they have not had, you know, blowout wins all season long. I mean, you know, 24 to 10, they beat Washington, and they had that game quite handily throughout much of the game. But, uh, you know, go back, uh, the 35-17 win over the Lions, but it was close at half. It wasn't until the second half when the defense really ratcheted up pressure on Jared Goff that they walked away with a win. It was a close win, a walk-off win in San Francisco. They had a, a solid win against the Steelers, but you never felt like that game was completely safe. Uh, it was an ugly win and back and forth, terrible win conditions and kickers who couldn't split the uprights in Cincinnati. Um, you know, when the when the, they played down in Chicago, it wasn't a sure thing. It was good, and at once Rodgers did the "I own you" belt. That was we knew it was over. But beyond that, the only other win that was convincing early on was the Cardinals, and then you thought, man, they're going to roll, and then they just it just they just shut it down, and the Cardinals came storming back. So they they really don't have, 
you know, blowout. I mean, even when they didn't give up any points to the Seahawks, you, you're kind of thinking to yourself, man, the, the Seahawks couldn't get anything offensively going with the return of Russell Wilson in that game. So they blanked them, but they only won 17 to nothing. And I say only, I shouldn't say that, but 17 to nothing, that's a little bit of an odd score for a Packers offense that was averaging, you know, 24, 25 plus a game. And then down the stretch was putting up 30 plus, you know? So I don't, I don't, they don't blow teams out. You know, if you're talking about what happened like yesterday in some of the games, or over the weekend, I should say, like the Bills blowing out the Patriots 47-17. They don't have that. They don't do that. I mean, even, you know, through the first quarter of the game, I mean, even though the Chiefs ended up dominating and doubled up the Steelers, the Chiefs, it was 21-7 to and a half. So you still felt, if you're the Chiefs, that you're in command. But you think, yeah, I don't know, man. The Steelers come out in the second half, get a couple of scores and hold us, and it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a nail-biter. But even that game... The Buccaneers, they flat-out blew out the Eagles. That game was over, 31 to nothing going into the fourth quarter before they finally called off the dogs. That game was a blow. But the, the Packers don't have that. They don't, they don't do that consistently. Uh, David says, what do you think the final score of the game will be? I said like 27-20, 27-24, 27-17 if it's a really comfortable lead. Um, something like that. I... I the Packers are right around 30 points a game. It's a decent defense. Uh, we just heard Fred Warner says he's going to be back. He's going to be hobbled, but he's going to be back. We'll have to wait and see if Bose is able to come back. But, um, you know, I I don't think it's going to be, you know, I mean, I know we'd all love a, you know, 42-10 type of blowout, but I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be that. Uh, Frank says, hey, Bill, do you think the weather is going to play a factor in game day? Uh, glad to have you back listening in Rhinelander. Go Pack Go. Um, I think the weather will play some if it's allowed to play. Does that make sense to you? I think early on, uh, Garoppolo is going to find it a little bit difficult to, to grip the football just because of the thumb injury and it's cold. Uh, but if you allow them to hang around, the focus goes from the cold to, hey, we're in this game. We might have a shot at winning again. This we, we could go from AT&T Stadium and getting a win to Lambeau Field and getting a win. And you want to take that kind of, then Then you're not cold anymore. The Packers are in a dogfight, and they're biting their nails. And, and the 49ers, they're not in the cold anymore. They're in a game. But if you get up a couple of scores, maybe three, three possession, then it becomes a cold game. That's when the, that's when the cold really factors in. That's why the Packers need to get off to a fast start. Uh, Austin says, hey, man, don't knock the red cabbage. Germans make it amazing. I am not, it's, it's, the red cabbage is not terrible. My grandmother was Irish. I mean, hardcore Irish. Used to make the red cabbage all the time. I mean, every time we went there, red cabbage, ring bologna, they did it all. Okay, it was it was like the Sunday meal, that or ham, one of the two. It was a Sunday meal. So I ate it all the time growing up as a kid, all the time. So it was kind of like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. But I will admit, you go to a good German fest, when we were out in, uh, in La Crosse this past year for the German fest out there, a little red cabbage, 
I got to admit, I, I did it nostalgically as a taste. I was like, okay, I'm in. I just, it's one of those things that I just had so much of as a kid. I'm like, oh, can't do it anymore. But I gave it a shot. Gave it a shot. Glad you're listening in Germany, though. Appreciate it. Um, James says, what is the team that has the best chance of knocking off the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, the Rams or the Cardinals? Oh, the Rams. The Rams do. I think the Rams do for a couple of reasons. They have the defensive front uh, that has the ability to get to get Brady, who is somewhat statuesque, off of his mark and and put a big rush on him, especially since their offensive line started getting nicked up. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, I think uh, as long as Stafford doesn't look across the field and see Brady standing there thinking he has to go toe-to-toe with him, just stay within the confines uh, of the offense, I think they're they're pretty good. Now, they, they can also put pressure on a quarterback with the defensive front they have in Tampa Bay. But you you got to get into to quick hits. They can stop Sony Michelle. They can stop the run game. But it then becomes a, incumbent upon Stafford to as a, as more of a veteran quarterback to go toe-to-toe with Brady and to start not necessarily looking across the field to do it, but be able to score with Brady. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford has that ability as long as he doesn't play outside of himself. Kyler Murray, I think Kyler Murray's an X-factor. I don't know... If, if if it's if it's first part of the season, Kyler Murray or or latter portion of the season, Kyler Murray. You see what I'm saying? I I don't know, but but I know Matthew Stafford. If he doesn't just start tossing it up, he has the ability to go in because defensively they can put a lot of pressure on Brady and maybe force a mistake or two because it's been known to happen. So I think I think the Rams do much more so than than the uh, the the Cardinals do. Just my take on it. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to fire something off? Please do. Go ahead and give us a shout. Uh, a couple of people. This is from John over on Twitter. Says, uh, God knows, I don't want to see Brady come back into Lambeau Field, but wouldn't it be great if they beat the 49ers and the Buccaneers and Brady to get to a Super Bowl? Wouldn't it seem like the storybook ending? Uh, then to cap it off, just before the Packers accept the Lombardi Trophy, uh, you get the MVP and the Coach of the Year award. That would be the ultimate of box checking last last dance wouldn't it you you john you're 100% correct you've gone through the regular season for all intents and purposes i know it's going to be a little bit split it's not going to be a unanimous decision but for the most part we believe that rogers is going to win the mvp you've got one of three vrabel lafleur or taylor one of those three coaches are going to win the coach of the year i think me personally i think lafleur deserves it uh, not for just this season, but for the overall body of work that he's not been recognized for over the last couple of years. So wouldn't it be great if those two won their respective awards and then hoisted a Lombardi trophy? I mean, and, and then beat the 49ers, beat Tom Brady to get to a, a Super Bowl. And, and then, you know, I mean, not necessarily that I need to see Kansas City, but if you got Kansas City, the team that's now been there three times in the last three years, won the first one, lost last year, and you beat them again in the State Farm Bowl, so to speak. Yeah, I, I would I would say that is checking every damn in-your-face gotcha box all the way through this season. Now, what happens in the offseason, I don't want to venture a guess. But that would be checking every damn box there would be. You are 100% correct. Uh, and then real quick, Eric says, uh, I want to give credit to uh, Taylor and the Bengals for finally getting a win after 31 years and beating the Raiders. But if the Raiders had one more quarter, they would have came back and won that game. Now do you think they have a shot at knocking off Tennessee? I I think they do. 
I mean, they have a shot. I think Joe Burrow is doing some really incredible things. And I, I love the fact that they have a run game to support the passing game. Their offensive line sucks. That's good. That's their number one priority come the offseason. Their offensive line sucks. But I think that uh, as long as you have Chase and company and a decent defense, they can they can stay toe-to-toe with the Titans. Now, if Derrick Henry is back and he's the man, I don't think they have enough defense up front, and their tackling leaves you a little bit suspect at times. I don't think they have enough defense up front to be able to stop Tennessee. Because if Tennessee can grind it out on you, unless you score quick and often, I think Tennessee can grind you. Do they have a shot? Sure they do. But will they beat them? I'm betting against them. I'm not betting a lot of money. I did win a little money this weekend. I was pretty happy with that. I did not, by the way. I did not, Josie. I did not take Cincinnati to win. I didn't take that game. I In, in our picks during the huddle on Thursday night, I took the Raiders in a close one. But I did not put money on that game. I put money on the Bills to get a win. I put money on the Buccaneers to get a win and Kansas City to get a win. Those were the games that I chose. Other than that, didn't didn't pick another game. Smart gamblers don't jump into dicey situations. I'm sitting at, uh, as a matter of fact, it was funny, I was sitting at uh, Calderon Club uh, North talking to my buddy Carmelo on Saturday night, and he kept looking at me, and he was playing the odds during the game. He, he kept yelling down, what do you think, what do you think? And I'm like, no. I you know, you, Should I take the point? Should I take, no, no. Buffalo is going to, this is this is done. Wait a minute, they're up in the points. New no. Buffalo. Nobody thought Buffalo was going to win by 30. Key, just take Buffalo flat out, you're good to go. Take them flat out, you're good to go. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. When we come back, we're all back together again. People in Milwaukee, you're going to understand the sounds. Our buddy Mike Clemens is going to join us. He is coming up next in the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You need someone, San Francisco, to get to the quarterback here. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. It will. They'll be on the clock this day. Plan for it. Four. Down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The game's over. Gosh. The game is over. And that's the way it ended. You got to give it to the ref. Dak Prescott should have looked and found the ref. You can't give it to your center. Dak, find find the ref. You got to give it to him, not not the center. Wow, I am living if I'm a Cowboy fan and if I'm a Niners. That's the end of the game. The game is over. That's it. It's over, and San Francisco survives and advances. Oh, how appropriate. Excellent drop-in. And broadcasting school paying off for one. Mike Clemens, uh, our uh, Green and Gold Insider, now joining us uh, on the hotline. Michael, how you been? Hey, we're on WOKY in Milwaukee now? Yes. Oh, man. Hi to our friends in Milwaukee again. That is awesome. Because I got to say, Jack Lee, Bob Berry, Steve York, Mark Mitchell, uh, Gregory John, I... These are guys, these are great guys that have been on that station over the years, and this is the first time I've been on that station, legendary top 40 station and news information station and sports the last several years, and so that's pretty cool. But, yeah, 
What a mess yesterday in Dallas. The, you know, Roger Goodell was at the game. This was this was the game for the weekend with the ratings and everything. And uh-huh. and uh and to have it a game end like that with a controversy about the referees or the you know the clock running out and everything, that crew, that's Alex Kemp. Uh, two years ago, he came through Green Bay during training camp, and you know, during the games, he seems to be like they seem to be one of those ticky tack referee crews. Although to me, Bill, all the replays I saw, it's like, no, that's a good call. No, that right. guy's holding. You know, yep. uh, you look at he's grabbing his arm. The guy's go trying to go out for uh, for a pass, and this defensive back is just grabbing his arm. So you got. Um, uh, Ramon George is the umpire, and John Jenkins is the field judge. And, you know, it, it, it just turned out to be a mess. So I wanted to focus on that uh, because there's a lot of lessons to learn about this, about what has happened in Green Bay in the last 10 years. And so first, I, w- I wanted to listen to what Mike McCarthy had to say about losing to the 49ers at home in Dallas. Well, I mean, clearly, I mean, it wasn't the start of the game that that, that we would have would have liked. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, offensively we really didn't get into a rhythm. You know, the penalties were were kind of productive. You know, a couple of big plays came back. I, I thought our guys by halftime we were we were settled into the game. Um, you know, it's it's disappointing disappointed we you know didn't get a shot there at the end of the game. But yeah, we we were herky jerky. Uh, I think clearly everybody you know these last plays, these last two plays, church clock, all all those. Scenarios we put a tremendous amount of time time into it, um, so uh, we we had a lot of confidence, you know, trying to set up that last play. Mike is uh, receiving a ton of criticism today, Mike, and whether or not he hangs on to his job, I would assume he would. But nevertheless, McCarthy and uh, his his clock management has come under scrutiny all season long. Now the clock management in the first half was good. The second half and what they were doing down the stretch. That did not pan out so well for Mike and made him look rather bad. He, when he said church clock, I had this tremendous flashback because I take you back to a game that the Packers had on the road in, on an October afternoon. They were in Washington against the former Redskins team, and Aaron Rodgers is driving down the field. And they're, make, they're making nice gains, and they get to about the 20 or the 30, and there's one point where I noticed from the press box, Rogers put his hands up like, where's the play? And there's about a five or second, six second delay there. So I watched this when I got home, and I asked McCarthy about it the following press conference. And I said, what happened between, you know, 20 seconds and, and 15 seconds? Well, we were, we were in what we call our church offense. And I'll never forget that because, you know, they, it, it was by the time we got back to Green Bay and talked about it, there was sort of, you know, sort of time to get on to the next thing. And, you know, maybe they, you know, there's other things the Packers could have done in that game. But they lost this game in overtime 16-13 uh, to 13 to the Redskins. You know what year it was? It was 2010. It was the year that they would eventually reach the Super Bowl. It was that stretch where they, they, they'd start out the season, they got two, they got a great win against the Eagles, against the Bills. They lost to the Bears. Uh, then, then they lost back-to-back games, Redskins and Dolphins. You thought, ah, oh, they're three and three; they're not going to make it. Then they, then the injuries started piling up too, right? And of course, yeah. at the end, they, they make their great run, 
and they end up going to the Super Bowl. Well, you know, this is the end of the road for Mike McCarthy. So the Dallas reporters last night were asking McCarthy about his two-minute church clock offense. We call the situation a church, you know, church, church clock situation. We're in a, we're, we're, you know, this is something we we practice every Friday and Saturday. So you know, we're, we're trying to get inside the 20-yard line. We, we we want the last play to to come down to you know, it would have been some form of five vertical uh, pass concept. So we had two set. You know, based on which you know where we were going to be, you know, in the final yardage here. So, yeah, um, based on you know being that tight, 14 seconds, you know, we we should clearly get the ball spiked there. And um, you know, I haven't seen the replay. You, I'm sure you have, um, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm surprised. I was shocked as anybody on offense that we didn't get to that last play. I can't believe they ran a draw. I, I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing if you throw a pass quickly over the middle in four, five, six seconds. But they ran a draw that took quite a bit of time and then didn't have the wherewithal to get it back to the official, which is what a lot of people know you have to do. So, I mean, I mean in that sense, the play calling and, and, and the, the ability not to know, you have to get it to the official. Shame on Mike or your play caller, whoever's actually called. I still think Mike McCarthy calls him, but everybody else says, is emphatic saying he doesn't. But shame on them. And, and that, what, what the hell is actually the church clock anyway, Mike? Well, see... That's the thing. Um, when that thing happened in 2010, then later that's where you could go to Rogers, maybe a day or two later, if he had a moment to, at the locker and say, what is this all about? And he doesn't really want to get into it. And he doesn't want to be on record to throw his coach under the bus. But basically what it's saying is, you know, we've got a set of plays, and as McCarthy calls them, thresholds, to say, all right, you know, we're, we've got less than a minute. We've got X amount of timeouts, uh, at least two timeouts. That's the way you try and manage the game in the second half. So we're going to run a series of plays. Now, that first play that they ran, remember where they, they threw it like to the slot and then he flipped it out, you know, he, he uh, you know, tossed it to another receiver that took it out to the sideline to, you know, stop the clock. So church clock, I think, is kind of like get me to the church on time, right? You're watching the clock. You're playing football, you're trying to move the ball, and you've got a series of plays, or as he calls them, thresholds. If you get to here, then the play changes to this. If you get to here, the play changes to this. Now, how the hell Dak Prescott is running with the football, you know, as the clock is ticking down to five, four, three, makes no sense. But McCarthy was, you know, asked, you know, why are you running that church clock offense, though, at that point of the game? Well, I mean, there's, there's uh, we, we call them thresholds and, you know, the field position, what your line you're at and what you're trying to get to, too, based on, you know, defense that they were trying to, the, the defense that they were playing, they were in a sideline defense, so they were protecting the sidelines. And so that was the best option to, you know, to be able to get the ball. I mean, it's it's like anything else. Do you, do you want to be running the Hail Mary play from the 50-yard line or you want to be running five verticals from the 25-yard line? So that's the decision. It's the right decision. Um, you know, it's just like anything. It's... You know the, the execution between us and the officiating spot in the ball obviously wasn't in tune. Wasn't you know we shouldn't have had any problem getting the ball spotted there. Just if that's is that the quote you're looking for? So. I mean he can be antagonistic. That's fine. But the bottom line was your quarterback didn't know what he was doing, and, and by getting it back to the center instead of the official. And I've said this all along, Mike. I know people love Dak Prescott. I've never thought Dak Prescott was a superior quarterback. I thought he was an above-average quarterback, always has been, always will be. So uh, for as much as I know Jerry believes in him and he thinks they have all the players and pieces in place and this and that, 
I, I've never thought that they, he was that he was that level of quarterback. So do you know what changed in Green Bay, Bill? Aaron Rodgers calls all the plays with two minutes left on the clock. Yeah. That's what changed. At some point, Rodgers went to McCarthy and said, this is nonsense. I'm calling the plays. And he does. And how many times have you heard Rodgers the last four or five years say, when we get into two minutes, I'm calling the plays. Like, for example, when they beat the 49ers earlier this year. What did he have, like 37 seconds on the clock, ran down the field, yep. two or three key passes, and he gets the, the clock stopped, and they set up, and Mason kicks a winning 57-yard field goal. That's the difference. So Jerry Jones asked after the game, because people are crying. You've got, you got Cowboy fans on network TV crying. You know, Dallas thought, you know, it's been a rough year for them, too, Texas and COVID and all that kind of stuff, and they're thinking – they're, they're being told they've got a Super Bowl team. This is the year. So Jerry Jones down there talking to the media outside the locker room like he always does. You can always find him when you cover these Cowboys games. You know, the, and, and one of the reporters says, do you think your roster came up short against that 49ers team? When you get this combination of players together, you need to uh, have success because we all know how it goes in the NFL. The whole thing is set up to take away from the best and add to the ones that need improvement. And personnel-wise, I think we have one of the best. I, I, I said all along I thought they were a Super Bowl-capable team. I just didn't think. To me, it was a bad game by Dak Prescott. Nothing more. He just he did not have a good game. And everybody wants to look at Mike McCarthy and – whether it's play calling or whether it's combination of certain things, I don't think Dak had a good game. He was under pressure. He looked like a deer in the headlights at times. Well, then Kyle Shanahan, though, he 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 knows that that Cowboys defense is good at the pass rush. They're not so good when it comes to the run. And you know, he's got Elijah Mitchell for 27 carries and 96 yards because he's got a quarterback, you know, with an injured thumb in Garoppolo. And then Debo Samuel, that guy's just He's unbelievable. He's, he was the most exciting player all weekend. I thought he had 10 carries, 72 yards. He had the one that went for 26 yards, scored a touchdown. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got one of the highest-paid backs, if not the, in, in the National Football League, and Zach Elliott, and the, he had 31 yards. 31 yards. His longest carry yesterday was 9 yards, and they only ran yep. him 12 times, 12 times. I thought it was – I was amazed – how well the 49ers secondary, and they've, they've retooled on how you didn't hear, you know, Lamb's name. You didn't hear Amari Cooper's name. I mean, those guys were covered the whole game. I was very impressed by that. So uh, then after the game, there was this controversy. Jane Slater's a reporter for the NFL Network, and she posted a video that said, I think these fans now, or Cowboy fans, are so upset they're throwing stuff at the players and then other people in the media said, no, no, they were throwing it at the referees. They were waiting for the referee crew to come out, and people started throwing, you know, paper or plastic bottles or whatever they could down on the field at AT&T Stadium as the referees were coming off the field. But Dak, Dak Prescott was asked, what did you think of the fans throwing stuff at your teammates, the Cowboys? And then he, he found out that when one other guy said, no, they were throwing at the referees, here was Dak after the game. I mean, you're talking about a team, you're talking about men that come out each and every day of their lives and uh, give everything to the sport, um, give everything to this game of football. Um, nobody wants to succeed more than we want to succeed. I understand fans and, and, and the word fan for fanatic. I get that. But 
um, to know everything that we put into this day in and day out, try our hardest. Um, nobody comes in in the game wanting or expecting expecting to lose. And um, for, for people to react that way when you're supposed to be a supporter and, and be with us through thick and thin, th that's tough. We were aiming at the referees. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're referees. Well, credit to them then. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. Credit, credit to them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. That's not exactly a, an endorsement for saying we shouldn't throw anything on the field, you know. Uh, credit to them for exactly. going after the referees, you know. Yeah. But uh, but but Mike McCarthy still. Uh, I'm just I'm sitting here watching now on the NFL Network. Uh, you know his future as a Cowboys head coach. Will he be around or not? And a highly 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 penalized team that even uh, during uh, downtime, false starts and encroachment and such were just problematic. Thirteen penalties, thirteen penalties, and as Mike McCarthy would say, what kind of football that is. Herky jerky, yeah. He would yeah, call we, it herky -jerky. we were herky jerky. Yeah, right. Yep, herky jerky. Herky -jerky. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. We're gonna step away, take a quick break, come back. We got a lot more. Mike Clemens, our Sirius XM NFL Packers uh, insider, joining us uh, on the hotline. Stay tuned. We got more right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. That was a prelude. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michael Show. We continue on. This portion of the program, by the way, brought to you by our friends down there at uh, Roberts Specialty Meats in Waukesha. Paul is a great guy. Paul Roberts is. And if you're going to stop in, he is your hometown butcher in Waukesha. Go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. And see everything they have to offer, including the mouth-watering ribs on a stick, which I might have tonight uh, watching this contest between the Cardinals and the Rams. Good to be back on in Milwaukee. Mike's, Mike Clemens, our serious NFL uh, Green and Gold Insider, joining us on the hotline. And, Michael, that was the prelude because I had said at the time, it went through the uprights, Packers win, that's great, but it came real close to getting blocked. And then we saw the, the, the special teams begin to erode after that game throughout the season. Right. You had Corey Bohorquez in there. You were nervous about the snap. You were nervous about the hold. You were nervous about Mason Crosby. And then on top of that, when you looked at the film, you saw that the 49ers had number 27, a corner, Dante Johnson. He was flying through the air. He almost got his hand and could have blocked that 51-yard field goal from Mason Crosby. And Matt LaFleur said, yeah, we saw that on the tape. It was pretty close. Um, you know, I thought I thought Bobby did as well as you could have done on the edge as well. I think just uh, 27 for them just got a really good jump on, on the snap, and he made it close. Um, you know, we talk about all the time protecting from inside out. I think over the course of last season, I want to say there was something like only four kip, kicks blocked from the perimeter. Most of it comes from internal pressure so our guys were stout inside and you know the guy got got a really good jump on it and thankfully uh he missed it so and and mason what a great job just 
really that whole operation because our operation time was great as well. Uh, Hunter had a great snap. Bojo put it down clean. And then Mason came through with a big-time kick. And the best part of that, obviously, uh, him making it, but just seeing the guys' reactions after after that it definitely is something that puts a puts a big smile on my face. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good win. And uh, getting that uh, Shanahan monkey off your back and winning in San Fran, it was a good win. But uh, like I said, at that point in time, I still had that question mark in my head going, wait a minute, something doesn't look right here. And sure enough, it proved to rear its ugly head throughout the season. And then the story had come out that these two old friends, Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, that the night before the draft, that Shanahan, in fact, had made the call to see if Aaron Rodgers would be available for a trade. And, you know, LaFleur was the word was LaFleur was was ticked off was really mad at him uh for that but that, that they that he pulled that the night before the draft and uh Shanahan just kind of you know explained it off as like yeah you know it's just business it's you know nothing personal but when Shanahan lost that game he I think he had LaFleur 4-0 so far in that series that's the first time LaFleur had gotten the win and remember Shanahan just kind of brushed by him at the you know the handshake uh, at the end of that game in Santa Clara. So um, the, the other thing about that game was, uh, you know, you had Yash Nyman filling in then at left tackle, Royce Newman, the right guard, up against that, uh, you know, tough defensive front that the 49ers showed on display yesterday, man. Uh, Nick Bosa uh, is, you know, obviously left for concussion evaluation, and Fred Warner's uh, got a high ankle sprain, but they say, he think he should be able to go on Saturday night. But uh, Devontae Adams was asked after that win back in September how he thought those two rookies did on the offensive line. Proud of those boys. Really, really proud of those boys. You know, Yash hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities, you know, especially against teams like that, for him to have to be kind of thrusted into that position. Really proud of him. He's, he's I mean, I love that dude. When we switch sides of the field in the fourth quarter, he's walking by me, and I'm just turning everybody up. I'm going crazy. And he looks at me, he goes, Man, it's just a blessing to play with you guys. I really, I really enjoy this. And I'm just like, <laughs> it kind of just slowed me down for a second, and I just got real appreciative for having a teammate like that. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy. He reminds me a little bit of Aaron Jones from a personality standpoint because early in Aaron's career, he would do something and be come back to the huddle. I'd be screaming, let's go. Do I need that from you every time? Let's go. He'd be, yes, sir. And I'm like, Aaron, you don't have to call me sir in the middle of the game, but um, – Josh, yeah, Josh is a, is, a, is a hell of a football player and great heart, just a great teammate all around. I'm proud of what they did up there. Which is a really cool insight into those guys. Uh, but now you start to fast forward and you think, okay, these guys have all had service time, uh, and now you're looking to get some of these other guys back, a guy like Jair Alexander who could pr- prove to be kind of the X factor for that secondary, Mike. And that 49ers, there was, there was one play I broke down. I was like, how does Elijah Mitchell get for eight yards up the middle against that Cowboys? And you slow it down, and you see that misdirection play where they take a flanker and they move him from left to right, and then they pull a guard, the right guard. He goes up into the left side A gap right up the middle. Okay, he takes out a tackle. Fine. But what about Micah Parsons, this great linebacker? He's standing there. And then out of the corner of your eye, it's George Kittle, the tight end, he's coming off the left-hand side. He takes out the linebacker. So Mitchell, when he runs through all those, he ends up uh, you know, getting a nice eight- or nine-yard gain precision. And so the Packers' defense has got to be ready for this stuff. 
But can Jair Alexander or Zadarius Smith, can they actually play a whole game on Saturday night? We asked Joe Barry that. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's exactly what it is. We're, we're right in the middle of the process. And I think a, a big part of that process, that's at least given me uh, and, and our entire staff, you know, a little bit of a gauge on where they're at. These guys are incredibly gifted, you know, um, specimens that, you know, I don't care how talented they are and how physically gifted they are. They, you know, they've, they've been away from, you know, job. Ja, what's, what's it been 14 weeks. And with, with Z it's been, you know, uh, you know, 16 or 17 weeks, you know, so uh, they've been away from it. And, and um, I don't care what you say, you know, your, your body has to get conditioned and hardened and you do that through practice that that that's that's why you practice um of course it's to you know skill development and your eyes and your keys and footwork and all that but it's also to you know to harden your body to be able to go play the game of football which um you know it's the it's the most physically violent sport there is out there so um you said the process i think that's a perfect word uh we're in the we're we're still in the early stages of the process but i like where we're at um, at least yesterday and today and get another good day tomorrow. Uh, and I think that will allow us to have, uh, you know, uh, uh, at least solidify our plan going into game week next week. Hey, Mike, how much does Nathaniel Hackett getting out and interviewing for uh, three different jobs, do you think? He's supposed him? to have three of those interviews this weekend, Bill. And, you know, when I asked him, boy, you know, this is, is this, this the worst timing? I mean, you're just at the start of the playoffs. And, you know, you, you're that close to a chance of the Super Bowl. He said, you know, the good news is we don't have a game this weekend. I mean, there's other coaches that are still uh, in the postseason that had a game this weekend. And somehow, the, you know, on the one day off they get, they got to be on a two- or three-hour Zoom call. Or, in the case of the Broncos, they flew to Green Bay this weekend to talk to Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze. And Hackett also had was to have meetings with the Chicago Bears and the Jaguars. And Hackett was asked, the Packers offensive coordinator, so how do you get ready for an interview job, for a head coaching job in the National Football League? You know, I, I think it's kind of a ongoing process. You know, you're always taking notes. You're always uh, trying to figure out all the different things that you've done throughout your career, kind of trying to get all those notes together and decide kind of how you want to run a program. And um, from that standpoint, is it's really just about organizing your thoughts, being able to sit down and know you never know what they're going to ask you. And uh, just understand you got to be yourself and, and, and you got to speak from the heart. And, uh, and really, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's really one of those things when you're talking to people, it's not as much X's and O's as people would think. It's more just about kind of the person that you are, how you would lead the team, how you would handle the team. And uh, it's been a great experience here because it, how we do it here is, a, is how I want to do it. And uh, so, so it's kind of been a on-the-job training since I got here with Matt. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back, wrap things up. Mike Clemens, our guy, our Green and Gold Insider, joining us on the hotline. We'll be back right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. News time 626. Now, WLS Sports with Les Grobstein. 
And Linda, last night, actually yesterday afternoon, Tampa Bay earned a split in their abbreviated two-game set with the White Sox by beating up on the Sox bullpen en route to an 11-5 route. Javi Vasquez took the loss. Sox have optioned Andrew Sisko to Charlotte. They have signed Craig Wilson. Of course, Pablo Ozuna broke his, put, his foot yesterday. His foot. His foot. Pablo Ozuna broke his foot, Blair. That's my Harry carry Yeah? You know, I find it's strangely comforting, strangely comforting that an ever-changing universe, uh, there are still a few constants in life that you can count on, and one of those constants is that Les will always be an absolute idiot. Good friend, longtime broadcaster in Chicago, that is Les Grobstein, uh, who passed away. And uh, Mike, uh, you and I both knew Les really, really well. Uh, obviously a longtime mainstay in the press boxes that we covered. Always sat right there uh, a couple of rows in front of us in Chicago for Bears games. He was kind of the uh, – he, he was just always the voice that you always heard. That was the guy you always knew. You know what I mean? And he was the thesaurus of Chicago sports information. In the Midwest, if you're going to high school – and you turn on Larry Lujak's morning show, and it's Les Grobstein with the sports, or as Larry would say, WLS, more music, and Les Grobstein. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. Less talk, you know. And so uh, this guy, he sounded like he was in his 30s, and I didn't realize until years later he was only like 23 or 24. He was a really smart kid out of Northwestern who got press passes and got into all the Cubs games and the White Sox games and the Bears and the Bulls, and he just – he worked tirelessly, and one of his claims to fame was, as a young guy in the early 80s, about it's this April of 83, like a month into the season, and the Cubs were already stinking. And they brought back this former player, this Lee Elia, and he was asked about you know the fans booing the, the team as they came out the field, and Les kept his tape recorder running, and then he played this on the air. He had to edit it, but this is Les's famous interview with the Cubs manager, Lee Elia. All these so-called f***ing fans that come out here and say they're Cub fans that are supposed to be behind you, rip at every f***ing thing you do. I'll tell you one f***ing thing. I hope we get f***ing hotter than just to stuff it up than 3,000 f***ing people that show up every f***ing day. Because if they're the real Chicago f***ing fans, they can kiss my f***ing right downtown and print it. My f***ing What the f*** am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my f***ing players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the f***ing nickel-dime people to show up? The f***ers don't even work. That's why they're out of the game. They want to go out and get a f***ing job and find out what it's like to go out there and earn a living. 85% of the world's working. The other 15 come out here. The f***ing playground for the f***ers. Rip the f***ers. Rip them cutting like the f***ing players. That guy's busting their f***ing ass and those f***ing people do. And that's the Cubs? My f***ing <laughs> That puts Brian Price's rant uh, when he was in Milwaukee with the Reds to shame. But that was Les. Les just, he always got something, man. And he did. And he got the story and he ran it. And he had a career in radio for 50 years. And Lee wasn't a manager much longer for the Cubs. And, yeah. you know, he, he he was a truth teller. He was he was the best 
and we're sorely missed. He was a, always a great guest on your show, and and yeah. great, it was so it was co- so cool for us to be in the press box. They listen to a guy that you sort of listened to growing up, and there he is, and he's like, "Sure, Bill, I'll come on the show, no problem." Right. Yeah, he was he was always great, and and I, I he listened. You know, that was the other thing is he listened. He he was a guy that every now and then he would text me. And say I agree, I disagree. Call me, you know, whatever. He he listened. He he was such a good guy, and it's a and shame. And he had that, no uh, problem with saying your cheesehead fans, though, Bill, are completely right. <laughs> brainwashed up there. And then he'd give you the Chicago angle. Yeah. 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 No doubt. It's just 69 years old. He fell ill. He called in sick. He was off a couple of days off the air. People, listeners, were concerned, and Kathy found him. Uh, he passed away in their home on Sunday. Yeah, what a shame. Tough to lose Les Grobstein. Mike, good stuff. We'll talk again as the week goes on, pal. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for taking a listen to us, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Packers getting ready to take on the 49ers at Lambeau Field coming up on Saturday night. We got the Cardinals and the Rams tonight, 7 o'clock. And uh, we're going to catch that game on ABC and ESPN. Looking forward to just sitting back and enjoying some football. Until we talk again, time for us to go. Have a going. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.